making waves and we're, uh, the, the title of or kind of the tagline is making waves, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us. And we have identified, what's that look like? How do you know when the Holy Spirit's working through you? And we believe that the Bible has given us a list, a way to objectively know. And it's, it's the fruits of the Spirit. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. And that last one that we don't like called self-control. That's the one we're talking about today. Self-control. Oh, yeah, you guys are understanding. This one, buckle up, people, because here we go. And it is, uh, God gives you the power to have self-control. And we are going to focus in on one aspect of our life to where the Holy Spirit really wants to bring self-control. And it's what the kids are talking about today. It's what we're talking about today. And that is your mouth. Your tongue. That little muscle that's about two and a half ounces that can wreak a world of havoc. That's what we're going to talk about uh, today is your tongue. Turn with me to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. It's in the New Testament. Go past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, all the epistles, and then you'll, you'll be getting close right after Hebrews, James, towards the end of your Bible. I want to read to you, as you turn to James chapter 3, a verse of James chapter 1. One of the things about James is he's very direct, he's very practical, and he doesn't mince words. Listen to this verse in James 1.26. That's how he starts out the book. If anyone thinks he is religious, or they are religious, and does not bridle their tongue, but deceives their heart, this person's religion is worthless. You can have a religion... And that, and that um, in the end, you can deceive your own heart. And James says it really comes down to how you manage and bridle your tongue. The word bridle there sticks out to me. He's alluding to a metaphor, a horse, that is controlled by a bridle. You can put a bridle in a horse's mouth with a bit and you can, a 1,500, 2,000 pound beast, you can, you can direct it, you can lead it with a bridle in its mouth. In other words, I think James is saying here that there is a horse in your mouth. In fact, that's the title of my message. There is a horse in your mouth. In fact, I want you to help me out and turn to two people next to you and say, there's a horse in your mouth. Now be careful. Don't say your mouth looks like a horse. Don't say that. Keep it real. There's a horse in it. Be careful how you're talking. I was, when I was a kid, and actually all the way up until I was 18, I grew up on farms and had all kinds of animals, cows, chickens, emus. We raised emus for a season, and horses. And I, from the time I was young, I was on horses. And I remember somewhere in elementary age, we was riding a horse by myself, which was common. And you could always ride around that yard. And it's very comfortable on a horse. But that particular day, some of the dogs got out and decided they were going to chase the horse that I was riding. And the horse, for whatever reason, usually didn't bother the horse, but she decided that she didn't like it and started bucking 
So it went from a peaceful ride to next thing you know, I'm in the rodeo. I'm riding that sucker, right? Uh, I, can, I still see this in my head. I, I, I'm bucked off, and the, the picture in my head, I, I remember being flipped and upside down and looking at the barn that was coming. I can still see this moment and ultimately landing from the air doing two somersaults and landing on my face. I landed. First thing that hit was my nose. Shatter my face, blood everywhere. Had to go have constructive stuff done and, and I still have a knot on my nose from that moment. But how quickly I went from, I have this thing under control, I'm in, in charge, to now the horse is like bucking me off and it's going buck wild. Now how many of you know, when it comes to the horse in your mouth, you can think you're in control and all of a sudden, next thing you know, let somebody cut you off, let somebody do something, and it's bucking wild. Come on, somebody. Am I preaching to myself, or do I got some people out here today? We're gonna, hey, I'm with you. We're, we're going to talk about the horse in the mouth. Now, there is probably no topic in Scripture that has more promise attached to it and more warning attached to it than the topic of your mouth. I would say it's probably, to use this, it's probably the most accurate correlation to the thing we call the beauty and the beast. There's a beautiful part to it, but man, it's, it's a beast to be managed. It is what I call, it's, it's beautiful and brutal. You could say it's brutal if you want to create a new word. Uh, James gives us three warnings when it comes to the tongue. I want to talk to you about uh, your tongue, a horse that's just bucking wild. What are three warnings he gives us? First one is the one we'll call the tongue of fire. Verses five and six, he says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, a whole world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And listen to this phrase, and set on fire by hell. Your tongue, if you're not careful, can be an instrument that hell sets on fire. And I'm not talking a good kind of fire. I'm talking about a destructive fire. It could be true that your family, your relationship with your children is being set on fire by you. It could be that your marriage is being destroyed by the fire of your tongue. I mean, you want, uh, there's this verse in Proverbs that says where a gossip, when a gossiper is dealt with, the fire is quenched. You know, you want, you want the devil to do his work in a church. It, it, I tell you, what could disrupt and destroy all that God is doing here that could, could lead to none of this happening, let a few people start gossiping and watch what happens. I think if I would say the fires of hell with the tongue are gossip, slander, and complaining. And without, I mean, I'm talking godly people that have been lifelong Christ followers. Listen, you can experience the things of God, the people in the wilderness that God delivered through the, for the ten plagues and the, and the splitting of the Red Sea. They saw some stuff. And yet God had to judge them because of the murmuring and complaining of their heart. 
your tongue can be an instrument of hell. And if you've watched these firefighters, some of the biggest firefighters ever in the history of America are burning right now on the West Coast. It's amazing when you hear those stories. It's somebody that didn't put out a campfire or somebody that threw a, a cigarette butt out or just a, a match that it just, boom, it just blew over here. It's just such a small fart can set up millions of acres on fire and destroy cities. If you want to know the power of words, just look what's going on in our political world right now. Power of words. So let me just say this. I heard somebody say this to me once, a firefighter. When I drive up to a fire, even though it's an emergency, I don't even move towards it until I've done one thing. I have to see the fire from three points of view. I'll take a drive around the block, see it from this side, see it from this side, and see it from this side. Because I can't just have a limited perspective of the one view. You know, I just want to say that I'm commissioning all of you today. I've done this before. I'm going to do it again. You're all firefighters. I'm commissioning you to put out the fires of gossip when you encounter it because there's always three parties involved. There's the person speaking to you. There's the person who's not present that has a perspective. And then there's you who hopefully can bring the God perspective on this thing. So when somebody, here it is, when you, even if it's me who's gossiping, I give you permission to stop the conversation right there and say, listen, obviously somebody's hurt you, says something about you, slighted you, offended you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to call them. We're going to get them on Zoom. We're gonna, I'm going to take you to them right now. We're going to push pause, and we're going to go have it with them present. Because gossiping is when I say something to tear somebody down, to discredit them when they're not present to defend themselves. How many know if we started doing that, gossip wouldn't last too long up in here? Yeah. We can't afford to have a fire of hell break out. Gossip and slander and complaining. That's the first one, the tongue of fire. And I know that none of you deal with that, so we're going to move on to the next one. The tongue of poison, James chapter 3, verse 8. Paul keeps, or James keeps drilling down on this. He says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, watch this, full of deadly poison. What's he saying about that? My tongue is filled with deadly poison. Paul in Romans 3, speaking about previous generations, he says their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. The poison of vipers. In other words, it went from a horse now to a snake. That some, maybe, you, maybe somebody's even coming to your mind that when you got it, you ever seen a coiled up snake just ready to strike and spread its venom in any moment? That maybe you knew somebody when you get around them at a family get together or an ex-relationship, you get around them, it's just striking, just depositing venom in you. And you man, you just, you feel horrible in, in a conversation. Um, Bible says this, that the prim, one of the primary metaphors used for the devil in scripture is a snake. And then it says this in James chapter eight, it says that his language, 
the language that he speaks. He's the father of lives, and his native language is lying. When the devil communicates to you, it's always in a lie. That's true. So when you and I, if, if fire was gossip, poison is lying. And one of the things that I think the Holy Spirit wants to often do is to correct any untruth that comes out of your mouth in the moment that it happens so that the poison of vipers will not be on your lips no matter how small it is. And I'll be honest, this is the one that the Holy Spirit is often dealing with me about. You know, the things that happen to us when we're young, we often deal with the residue of that our whole lives. And because of things that happen to me young, I, I often try to overcompensate by making myself look better than I really am sometimes. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he wants to do a reconstruction, a rebuilding work. So one of the things the Holy Spirit, when it comes to this one, is often dealing with me about, because I like to, when I'm retelling a story in the sense of how I, I perceived it to happen, I'll tell all of it and maybe tempted to leave out the part that involved me and my negative contribution to the situa situation. Now, if it makes me look good, I'll tell all of it. <laughs> but if I did something maybe that would paint me in a bad manner, I'll tell it all but leave out the part that I played. I, I can remember several conversations with my, my wife when in the middle of it I'm telling a story and the Holy Spirit says, say all of it. <laughs> if you don't say it, there's going to be a problem later on. You better take your pain now. Say all of it. I can be on, I, in situations, I, I just, I, it's amazing. I think I'm getting away, but that Holy Spirit through my conscience is speaking. Even the part that makes you look bad, say it. I'll tell you the one that also I'm telling on myself today. Exaggeration. Exaggeration is always rooted in insecurity. And we've all been tempted there. You want to speak into the, it's amazing how when it comes to the crowds, you always want to round up. I, and, and some of my recollections, I've been talking to people with numbers and sharing things. And, and I know, it's always with other pastors, too. I'm like, oh, man, we're doing great. We got it. And then the Holy Spirit's just speaking to me and says, was it really that many? Well, I've had to go back and say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry there. I exaggerated a bit. Really, it was 18. It wasn't 20 or so. It was 18. I know how many. But it's amazing how we're all tempted with our mouths to, to, to be tongues of fire and tongues of poison, to deceive and to lie. So we have to be incredibly careful. Last one. It gets worse, guys. This is the worst. <laughs> is the tongue of cursing. Coarse joking. Profanity. I... This is verse James keeps saying. He says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. That's a good ringtone. I like that one. It says, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse humans who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. You ever had that moment, a good worship service, where you worship the Lord and experience his presence? And man, it's awesome. Then you drive out in the parking lot, 
turn right, start driving down, let somebody cut you off, and how quickly that mouth went from, I worship the Lord, thank you, Father, to, ooh, mm. Let's just say a lot of stuff comes out in that moment. I was at an event once with my youth pastor growing up. I was just like probably 17, 18 years old. And at the end of the event, he pulls me aside and he says, you see those two guys right there? I say, yeah. He goes, I want you to watch them because in their conversations, they're always joking about sexual things. They, there's, a, there's a, a crassness to their language. He says, watch what happens of them over a lifetime. Just real quick, passing. You know, by the time I graduated college, about four or five years later, both of them had affairs and were out of the ministry. See, the mouth is indicative of so much. And one of the things that scares me is Christians who can use foul language and watch shows filled with it and not be bothered. Yeah. We have to be incredibly careful. The Holy Spirit, I'm just preaching the word. You guys got to deal with it after this. Listen, let me, tell you, let me tell you how the enemy tried to get at Jesus at the end. Let's just, Matthew 27, verse 39. Those who pass by him blaspheme. Those who pass by blasphemed him. It, meaning, it means they yelled out and they were speaking evil of him. Then two verses later, they mocked him. The chief priests mocked him. They made fun of him like a child. These were adults, leaders, religious people. Verse 43, reviling. It says the robbers who were next to him reviled him. In other words, they spoke to him in, with abusive words. You know, in, in Acts 8, it, in 8.32, they recount the story of Jesus, and it says something about him. This is, it's, you almost miss it. It said he stood before Pilate, and Pilate's making all these accusations and reading them out. And What do you have to say? And it says this, and Jesus opened not his mouth. Isn't that interesting? At one point, Jesus said, listen, I could call down legions of angels at any moment, and they would come at my request. 70,000 some angels would show up, boom, and obliterate you. And Jesus, in that moment, as he's being blasphemed, ridiculed, mocked, opened not his mouth. It is the incredible picture of self-control in that moment to not wound or destroy with his words. You know, I read a study it said that 81% of employers question your professionalism when you use profanity on the job. Listen to this. They say it shows a lack of control, their words, a lack of maturity, even a lack of intelligence. The higher up the ladder you go, you have to be handled tough situations with measured reactions. And so they say people who cuss and use profane and coarse language on the job don't get promotions because they're afraid of how they'll represent them to their consumers and them to the rest of their organization. The tongue of cursing. So what do we do? About seven, eight minutes left. It's impossible for you to tame the horse in your mouth. You can't do it. But the Holy Spirit can. 
So how do you connect your mouth, your tongue, to the authority and leadership of the Holy Spirit? Let's listen to this right here in James. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, in verse 3, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Listen, when you give the Holy Spirit control over your tongue, the direction of your life changes. The outcome of the life changes. Some of you, some of us, our futures are being dictated because something else is in control of our tongue. And you've reaped the fruit of that. Let me give you what the Bible says a spirit-controlled tongue looks like, and then I'll tell you how to do it. Number one is this. It's a kind tongue. It says in Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant are the words. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. One verse says, uh, a gentle word breaks the bones. You know, gentleness and kindness have bone-crushing power. They're able to break through the tough exteriors in situations with gentleness and kindness. I'm reading a book now. I encourage you to read it. It's the Seven Principles of Healthy Marriages by John Gottman. Not a Christ follower, great principles. With 91% accuracy, he can tell in five minutes with a, with, with a conversation, asking a few questions whether or not you're going to stay married or get divorced. Done it for decades, 91%. He says it's all in the conversation. An inordinate amount of time of the book is this, is how to have a tough conversation. And you know what they focus the most on? How to have a soft opening. How to be used soft language and tone and words in a marriage to deal with difficult stuff. It's phenomenal. And I just thought, man, that's in the Bible. Kindness. You know, some of us, and I've been there, we can hold contempt in our heart towards our spouse and loved ones. And we can, have you ever had this? You're arguing with a spouse and let somebody call and you switch to nice. <laughs> I've had that happen, been in a full-blown argument. Somebody knock on the door. Hey, brother, what's going on? <laughs> Boom, right back at you. You're never going to talk to me like, what is that? So you can, you can have a contentment in your heart that shows up with harsh words. And I just want to encourage you, maybe what your marriage needs more than anything is kindness, a softness to it. Next is the healing words. A spirit-controlled tongue is a healing tongue. Proverbs 12, 18, it says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but a tongue of the wise brings healing. You know, anybody can use reckless words and destroy with them, but a wise tongue knows how to speak words that heal. Have you ever had somebody speak a word of encouragement to you, say something to you, give you a point of view, and it's like everything lifts off of you emotionally, and it gives you what you just need to move on? Man, I've had that. Man, that, that needs to be you, a tongue of healing. And then the last one is a powerful tongue. And what do I mean by that? The Bible says the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Listen, right now in this season of your life, you are living off the words you sowed from a previous season. 
It's true about your, your marriage. It's true about your relationship with your kids. It's true about your relationships. You eat the fruit of the words you sowed. Change your words, change your future. There's power of life and death. I encourage you to take inventory of words that you use. We all have the patterns of common language that we always retreat to. Take it, just write down some common things this week that you're hearing, and maybe you need to replace them with new words, better words. There's a book by Mary Ann Bird called The Whisper Test. She was born with a cleft palate. She, up until fourth grade, lied to everyone and said she fell and, and um, fell on some glass, and that's the reason that her, her, her mouth was misshapen. It was easier to lie about it than tell them the truth. I was born this way. You can imagine the ridicule of elementary age kids when they saw that. It was the whisper test. And maybe they don't do this anymore, but they used to in school. Some of you remember, you had to put your, your hand over one ear and the teacher would repeat a phrase, say a phrase, and then you had to repeat it and then you had to switch sides. And so like the sky is blue and you would have to say, and they say, I like your shoes. And you'd say, he just repeat it back. Well, Marianne Bird that day, Ms. Leonard's fourth grade class whisper test, she's uh, getting ready to, to, to repeat what Mrs. Leonard says to her. She's leaning in, silence, and in a whisper she hears this and has to repeat it back. I love you, and I wish you were my little girl. I love you, and I wish you were my little girl. Now, Marianne Bird went on to accomplish some great things. But in a fourth grade class, listen to this. Mrs. Leonard's words were healing words. They were kind words. And they were powerful words that breathed life into a little fourth grade girl. Listen, there's a horse in your mouth. It can be tongue of fire. It can be a tongue of poison. It can be a tongue of cursing. Or when the Holy Spirit's in control, it can be kind. It can be powerful and healing. And you get to decide which one it is. So how do I connect my tongue to the authority and power of the Holy Spirit? Whole sermon down to these three thoughts. Number one, simple, get saved. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You change the heart, you change the words. Listen, if what I'm speaking to you today resonates with you and you can identify it with you, and maybe you hear and you saw these testimonies of these students getting baptized, these people, the story of how Christ transformed them. Listen, the Bible says this in Romans 10, 9. It connects your mouth to salvation. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. He involves your mouth into the salvation experience. And maybe that's what you need today. If, if you're not saved, start there. If you've wandered from the Lord, start there. Get right with him and invite the salvific work of Jesus Christ into your heart with your words. Next one is get filled with the Spirit. Now I'm going to use a different verse to, 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 to come back to what we're talking about. But Ephesians 5, 18, do not be drunk. Do not get drunk on wine. 
which leads to reckless indiscretion. How many of you have ever seen somebody drunk before? Not you, but you've seen someone. Seen someone. I mean, man, all kinds of crazy stuff talking out of their mouth. All kinds of behavior coming out of them because they're under the influence of something else. They're out of control. But he says, as the opposite of that, be filled. That's a great word. Be filled with the Spirit. It's a command. It's a continuous command. We have to keep on being filled in, in the Greek language there. But it means to, to surrender to and submit to and come under the influence of the person of the Holy Spirit. You know what's interesting to me? Is that out of the nine gifts of the Spirit, words of wisdom, words of prophecy, words of knowledge, five out of the nine all deal with your mouth. Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church, Holy Spirit's poured out, sensory language all over the place, wind, tongues of fire, all this stuff. And it says, and as the Spirit enabled them, they spoke in an other tongues. They spoke in a heavenly language. They spoke in tongues at that moment. It was a vocal miracle, but he could have used anything to signify the Holy Spirit baptism. But you know what he did? He took the most unruly part of you and put it with one of the greatest experiences that we can have, the tongue, Holy Spirit baptism. So let me just say this. Every time you read the Word, guess what happens? That's a Spirit-inspired book. You're being filled with the Spirit. When you go to the place of prayer, you're being filled with the Spirit. When you pray in a heavenly language for those who have Holy Spirit baptized, listen, you are being filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. So you know what I do every day? Holy Spirit, I give you my thoughts. I give you my eyes. I give you my ears. And I give you my mouth. Let no unwholesome word come out of it. Check me. Correct me before I speak anything that's not of you. Be filled with the Spirit. Lastly, get in the right atmospheres. Get in the right atmosphere. Next verse is what he says. It says, Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, with your words, you can create an atmosphere that's conducive for God's presence to come. That's why it's so important to have a weekly rhythm where you gather and you sing. When the Holy Spirit prompts your heart, you sing and make music to the Lord together. And God begins to be enthroned in your midst. It's so important. But I said, get yourself in the right atmospheres. Some of us, if we're going to do this right and get our tongue under control, remove Netflix. Remove Hulu. Listen, I'm serious. Listen, I don't care how much you want to listen to Beyonce's new album. You can't leave the car and hear that and come in here and, let, and sing this. Ooh, Pastor Ricky. But this is real talk, guys. This is how it plays out. This is how it plays out. And so get yourselves in the right kinds of atmospheres. Let's all stand as we get ready to close. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward.
Hey guys, I'll just say I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. And I just hope you sense that today. This was a good word. It's a good word from the scriptures. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you to humble yourselves before the Lord. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and lift your hands to the Lord. Some of you may even need to kneel before the Lord because the Lord's just speaking to you. I just believe that some of you really may even need to apologize on the way home to your spouse for the words you're using. Some of you have contempt for your adult children because of what they've done to you, and you can't even speak to them in a positive way. The Holy Spirit's going to have to transform your heart. Change your words. If you're here and you need to get saved right now, this is your moment. With your words, surrender your life to Jesus. Declare to him, you're the son of God. Save me, wash me, cleanse me. Come into my life, Lord. Come on, I'm speaking to you. This is your moment. Your words are powerful. Invite the life of Jesus into your heart. Come on. Now for you who are in Christ, come on. Now this is, we're going to get real. This is making waves in your life right now. This is real stuff. The Holy Spirit is in the place. Listen, Christians, Stone Creek Church, we're going to begin our prayer with repentance. Your words. Maybe they've been tongues of fire, tongues of poison, tongues of poison and tongues of cursing. If there's anything that the Holy Spirit's put his finger on right now, repent of it. So, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. That horse got out of control. I was quick to anger. I didn't listen. I repent, Holy Spirit. Now I want you to ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit now. Holy Spirit, give me, kind, give me a kind mouth. Let, let kindness and gentleness be my tone. Give me kind words. Holy Spirit, give me healing words. Give me a wise tongue that knows how to heal and not just wound. Give me healing words. Holy Spirit, give me powerful words. I've been speaking death, doom and gloom, when I need to be speaking life. I need to be building up, encouraging. And now would you just, before we worship the Lord and create an atmosphere, would you just ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you? Luke 11 says God will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Just humble yourself and just say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Freshen anew this today. Baptize me with your power. You have a heavenly language? Maybe you want to just pray in that for a second. Listen, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me, Holy Spirit, fresh and anew. Father, I thank you this morning.
what you're doing, the spirit, the fruit of self-control. Lord, I pray, would you tame that horse? Would you put out that fire, remove that poison, set a muzzle over our mouth so that we bless instead of curse? Lord, if there's any place, I pray this every week, if there's any place where gossip's at work, put a wet blanket over it and, and, and snuff it out. Lord, I pray today that take these words, change parenting relationships, change marriages with them, change companies with them. Do a great work when these truths are applied. Come, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please remain standing as we worship the Lord.